Welcome to Central Online, our, our Easter experience for 2022, and so grateful that you've tuned in. Uh, man, today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ with over 3 billion people around the globe, and I'm so glad that you are part of the 3 billion people celebrating Easter this Sunday. Hey, uh, before we jump into the message, I know every week we have several people that are, are new or several people that are just exploring the claims of Jesus that tune into this online church experience. But because it's Easter, uh, my hunch is that there's a, a few more. Uh, perhaps you're gathered with some family in the living room and you don't really want to be there, but they're saying, hey, we're watching church service. And, and so here you are. And, and man, I'm just, I'm just so honored that you're here. And I just love to be able to talk to some of you people who are, are newer to, to church, new to just kind of kicking the, the tires on this thing. Uh, I'd love to talk to you for just a moment. This isn't my message, but I want to just extend an invitation. I want to extend an invitation to you to go on a journey with us. The reality is we believe that, that you are on a spiritual journey, but it'd be our joy to, to guide you along that spiritual journey and, and discover that God has a plan for your life. Here's the reality. Some of you, maybe you're like, I don't even know if I, if I believe in God. I would just say again, welcome to Central. But we believe that, that something inside of you, that every human being has a, a strand of God's DNA inside of them that longs to reconnect with their creator. And I would just want you to know that, that man, you are made on purpose and with a purpose. And, and the fact is that, that God has a beautiful plan for your life. Some people are like, well, I don't know what that is. But if they did, they would go on the journey. And I would love to invite you on that journey. Uh, we believe from cover to cover in the Bible, from Old Testament to New Testament, God asked his people for four things over and over and over and over again. And so one of the gifts that we just want to offer you is clarity. Clarity on that spiritual journey. And, and here's the first thing you need to know. If, if you go on this journey, here's what we hope to guide you to. The first is this, knowing God. That, that you can know God, like the creator of the universe. Not just know stuff about him, but know him personally. Like talk to him, have him talk to you. Have him guide you and direct your steps throughout your life. You can know God. That's what the Bible says. Second thing we want you to know is that you can grow in freedom. And what does that mean? It means, it means that area of your life, that if it wasn't a part of your life, your life would be a whole lot better. If Jesus came to set people free and, and we're all in process. And so, so we'd just love to invite you on that journey to grow in freedom with us. And then the, the third thing we want you to know is that you have purpose. And once you put to rest your yesterdays, you can see tomorrow a little more clearly. It's like a, when you get into the car and it's all iced over or there's, there's snow or, or, or uh, frost on the windshield. Uh, man, our hope is just come alongside and help scrape off some of that ice so you can see what God has ahead of you a little bit more clearly. And as you do, you, you're going to realize, man, he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And that's our third, th our four, fourth hope for you is that you, you live a life of transcendence. You live a life that changes the world. You make a difference in your circle of influence. And so that's, that's the journey we, we, we would love to take you on. I'd love to be your tour guide to help you know God, help you grow in freedom, help you show your purpose and live a life of transcendence. You're made for more than breathing air, paying taxes and making money. You're lived to, your life is here on earth to make a difference, not just for today, but for all of eternity. That's God's plan for you. And so I would just love to be able to, to guide you on that journey. In fact, I would love to invite you to, to make a commitment to invest one year of your life. 
like in the scheme of your whole life, what's a year? And here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to keep showing up. You say, well, I don't even believe in this. All right, I get it. Keep showing up. I believe in one of those moments, God's going to get a hold of you. He's going he's to speak to you in a way that I cannot. And I believe that he's going to just express his love, his joy for your life and take you on this vibrant spiritual journey of knowing him and, and becoming who you were created to be. And so that's, that's my pitch. That's my pitch to you. It's going to change not only your life, but your family's life and the life of those around you. And it's not even going to take you a year, but I invite you to make a commitment for a year. That, that, and my commitment to you at the end of that year, so Easter 2023, if you're like, hey, my life was better in 2021 than it was in, in 2022 after I went on this, this spiritual journey with you, I committed a year, I did it, and my life was better before, my commitment to you is I'll go, I'll go to a different church with you. Like I'll, I'll, I'm doing something wrong, and I'll go, I'll go somewhere else with you. I'll go explore some other religion with you. Like I'll, I'll, that's my commitment to you. I invite you to make a commitment one year, go all in, watch God change your life because he's still raising up dead things in our life, bringing it back to life, and that's what Easter is all about. So let's do jump into our message now. Here, this is where we pick up Romans chapter eight, verse 11. My favorite Easter passage. It says this, the spirit of God, in other words, the very presence of God, this could, the spirit could literally be translated the, the breath of God. It's, it's, it's God, very God. You, you can't often see him, but you can, can often feel him. The spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Check this out. He lives in you. Like, like, how was Jesus, how the resurrection, how did Easter even happen? Well, Jesus' body was laid in a tomb, but the Spirit of God raised him from the dead. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So check this out. Here's the promise. Just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will. Not he maybe, not I hope, he will. Give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. In other words, he can, he can allow the dead things in your life to come back to life. He allows, he's, he's still in the resurrection business. That, that's, that's a promise for us to hold on to today. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus wasn't just an event that we celebrate. It is power to be experienced. And that's my prayer for you today. That you wouldn't just be part of a, another religious celebration. You wouldn't just be part of another Easter service, but you would experience what Easter's all about. You wouldn't just celebrate Easter. My prayer is you'd experience Easter and it's, it's power to be experienced. But if you will or if you won't experience Easter and the power thereof, it all hinges on this one word. From cover to cover throughout the Bible, this one word appears over and over and over again. And this one word is what, what the whole door to the, all the promises of God for your life swing on. And that one word is believe. Believe. Now, it's a beautiful word. It sounds awesome. It almost sounds easy. But if you've ever tried to do this, it's difficult it's hard to fully place your belief in something that you cannot see. And so therefore, we, we have some questions. We're just not sure. We, as a matter of fact, that, that's the definition of doubt, is that we, we're not sure about what we, we believe. We have some, some questions. And so my, my whole goal of these next few moments is to, to make that one word a little more attainable, to make that, bring that, that word a little bit closer for us to wrap our, our heads around and to go on this journey where we don't just celebrate Easter, but we experience it. Jesus said this in John uh, chapter 11, 
verse 25, he said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Now here's that word. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives, here it is again, and believes in me will never die. So here's the promise of scripture. If you believe in Jesus, if you you place your hope in him, resurrection isn't something that you just experience one day. Resurrection is something you can encounter, you can experience today. And then Jesus closes with this question. It's just a great question for us to think about. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And so the gift I want to give you today is understanding how we can, we can transition from being doubters to believers. To go on this, this journey where we wrestle some questions to the ground and, and, and take hold of this belief that leads to resurrection power, leads to Easter power in our life. I'm, I'm going to take you on a journey through two stories. So one story highlighting how we become doubters and then another story highlighting how we can move from doubt to, to belief. So the first one highlighting how we land in this, this spot of, of doubt is Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 17. It it says this, A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. When the spirit uh, seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid. I've asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now, at this point, the disciples have been driving out evil spirits. They've been healing people. They've been doing the miraculous. And so the disciples are like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why this isn't working. This dad's like, I, I, I've stepped out in faith. I, my, my precious son, I'm trying to get him help. But your disciples, like they, they couldn't do it. Verse 19, Jesus responds, oh, unbelieving generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's dad, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire and to water, trying to kill him. Now, now just pause with me for a moment here and try to put yourself in this dad's position. Here's this dad who loves his son. And his son has been tormented by, by evil spirits his whole, pretty much his whole life, it sounds like. He, he, he has seizures. He foams at the mouth. Like this evil spirit's trying to kill him. Like, so we don't know if this boy's like trying to, looks like he's trying to commit suicide, throw himself in fires and lakes. And like, this is, this is a very serious situation this dad's like can anybody help me like this this dad like you gotta just kind of feel the emotion of this dad's pain and he asks a question he says says but if you can do anything take pity on us like like i'm desperate here if you can do anything can you just help my boy and i just love the humor in the Bible, because Jesus' next words, I, I just find funny. Because here's this dad, he's like, if you can do anything, 
And Jesus, like, I think sometimes we have a wrong image of Jesus. Like, sometimes we view Jesus like those paintings where Jesus is like this malnourished white guy with his cheeks sunken in, and he looks like he's, he's trying to throw a curveball. Like, like I don't, I'm not sure that's, that's who Jesus was. I think he has a sense of humor. I mean, you look at creation. We find funny things like giraffes. You look at the, the human anatomy. I mean, for my boys, I got, I got young boys. There's nothing funnier than a fart. And like every time my boys do that, I'm just like, I'm just thankful God has a sense of humor. And so I think Jesus was like that. I think he had a sense of humor. And so this dad's like, if you can help. And Jesus' response is like, if I can? Like, <laughs> really? Like, you know who you're talking to? Like, if I can? Now help me out with this word highlighted in red right here. Jesus said, if you can, Jesus answered, look, everything is possible for him who believes. And I think this, this father's response is something, a response that you and I can relate to. And, and his response was the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And that's what I want to do today. I want to, I want to try to help us overcome some of our unbelief. And so uh, before we do that, though, I want to look at three reasons why this dad likely doubted and why perhaps some of you watching this online Easter experience may have some doubts in your mind, too. The first reason I think we doubt is we don't think God does the right thing. If we're honest, I think, if, I think if we're just totally transparent. We'd say, God, sometimes I'm, I'm not sure you do it right. Like, like this father, his son was suffering. He's like, if I were God, I would have healed him a long time ago. If I were God, I, I would have driven out the evil spirit long, long before this. Not knowing that Jesus had every intention to set this boy free. But, but your situation, your circumstance might look a little bit different. But to some degree, if you're struggling with doubt, perhaps it's because we doubt that Jesus is good and that God does good because sometimes our circumstances don't always feel good. The second reason that this man doubted, and I think some of us may doubt too, is that we've tried to believe and it didn't work. Like we've really tried. Like this, this dad brought his son to the disciples. There was stories after stories of miracles that these disciples were, were driving out demons. They're healing the sick. And now this demon-possessed, very sick kid is brought to the disciples by the dad. And he tries. He, he tries. But it doesn't result in the outcome he had hoped for. And perhaps you're there. Perhaps you've tried. Perhaps, perhaps you, you said, man, I'm going to go in. I'm all in. And maybe it didn't work out the way you thought it would. Maybe God didn't show up in the timeline you thought he would. And because you've tried, you feel like, man, that's good for them, but I'm not sure God would do that for me. And it's just left you with some residue of doubt. But let me just encourage you, just because God didn't show up when you thought he would doesn't mean he's not working in ways that you cannot see. The third reason we often doubt is we listen to the doubts of others. What was Jesus' response? He, he said this, he says, he says, Oh, unbelieving generation. Like it wasn't like you're an unbelieving father. That's why your son's in this predicament. No, he's saying you're surrounded a whole generation of doubters. And can I just tell you, church, like we're, we're in a generation with a lot of doubters. And unless the church rises up and understands the word of God and begins to apply the word of God and believe that, that what the Bible says is true and we could experience that in our own life, then my concern is we may lose an entire generation, but, but not on our watch, right? Are you with me? Like, like that can't happen. So we got to get, we got to get serious about this 
I, you know, I was reading uh, uh, an article about the space exploration in the 1960s, and, and it's cool to see just kind of a resurgence of that, uh, of people exploring space and, and a big space age push uh, once again. But at the time, it was the Soviet Union and the U.S. and a lot of other countries trying to get there too, but the Soviets for sure, one of the front runners in this, this space exploration. And, uh, and they sent one mission. This entire mission was to prove that there was no God, that there is no God. And so they sent this shuttle up into outer space and they tethered a cosmonaut to the ship. And the whole purpose was for, for this cosmonaut to look around and see if he can find God. And if he couldn't see him because God is supposed to exist in the heavens, then they would prove that God isn't real and that, that the whole thing was a sham. So this astronaut, this cosmonaut goes up and he looks around and he doesn't, doesn't see God, comes back to earth. And the Soviet Union newspapers headlined read this. Here's a, here's a, a little cartoon from that. It was Bobinet, which means there is no God. And they're like, see, we, we told you, like, there is no God. And, uh, and they had the media to affirm their doubts. But recently, a, a Business Insider article came out about this very story. So several years later, uh, just a few years ago, Business Insider, this isn't Christianity Today, but Business Insider headline reads, Soviet space propaganda was atheistic, but Putin's cosmonauts fear God. And so this, this, this cosmonaut that was in outer space, it, him, him not seeing like the face of, of God, like the, the media claimed, wasn't true. In fact, this guy was a, a strong believer and he refers back to that experience in this Business Insider article. And he just talks about how when he saw the creation, when he saw the great expanse as he was tethered there in outer space, it only affirmed his belief in God. Because whenever you see the design of creation, surely it points us to a designer. Like if you're watching this online experience, you say, I don't believe in God, but yet you see the stars in place, yet you see your, your anatomy, yet you see the creation around us, and the design points to a designer. And if you believe, you believe anything less than that, then I would just commend you because you have much greater faith than I do. But I, I, in my mind... It just makes logical sense that the, the design and creation, it points to a designer, but there's always going to be doubters who come alongside to say, well, you're wrong here, you're wrong here, you're wrong here, you're wrong here. But there's a whole lot of evidence as well that can say, no, th this is why the Bible's true. This is why it's, it's our anchor for faith and practice. There's a whole lot of reasons why we can logically get to a place where we believe that there is a God. And he does have a plan and a purpose for your life. And my hope is just to get you there. I thought about sharing some, of, some great arguments on why you should believe. But I thought, you know what? If I can talk you into something, then someone else can probably talk you out of it. So my prayer for you in this online experience, my prayer for the past month has been, God, give them a moment where they experience your presence. Give them a breakthrough moment where you break through and you communicate, you communicate to them in a way that I just can't. And I'm believing that God will do that. I believe you just keep exploring, you keep asking, God's going to show up. But when we listen to the doubts of others, when we're bombarded with media that pushes us towards doubt, how do we overcome those doubts? How can we move past our doubts to real belief, a real belief that doesn't just bring us to a place where we celebrate Easter, but brings us to a place where we can experience what Easter is all about. So I want to take you to our second story. It starts at that first Easter and I want to talk to you about a guy who's 
perhaps the most notorious doubter to ever live. For over 2,000 years, we've called this guy Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Even if you don't go to church, if you're not familiar with the Bible, like uh, Doubting Thomas has become an idiom. Like you just don't believe anything. You're just such a, a Doubting Thomas. Well, as your guide, I, I just want to tell you how, how Thomas went from doubt to belief. Because in that process that Thomas goes through, I think he, he highlights some things that you and I need to take some steps towards as well if we're, we're going to move from doubt to belief. But before we, we go there, I want to kind of begin with the end in mind. And once you know that doubting Thomas became believing Thomas, like he was a radical believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, like he was fully convinced that Jesus is who he said he was. Thomas, after experiencing that first Easter, after, after seeing Jesus not only crucified, but seeing Jesus risen again, seeing him in physical body after his death, he was a full-on follower of Jesus, and he carried the gospel all the way to the country of India. And the gospel spread throughout India as Thomas was the first guy to tell people about Jesus in India. And it was there that another, another uh, leader in another religion came to Thomas and was like, hey, this is going way too fast. Like, like you're tr creating too many, too many converts, too much havoc around this Christianity. So here's what I need you to do, Thomas. I need you to renounce everything you've said about Jesus and claim that you do not know him and that you've been spreading lies. And with full conviction, Thomas looked at him and said, I can never deny him. And in that moment, there in India, Thomas was speared to death. And this man who had great doubts, known as Doubting Thomas, came to this place of such firm belief that he was willing to lay down his life as a follower, as a witness for Jesus Christ. So, so Easter is where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was crucified on a cross, paying the penalty for your sin and mine. And then the Easter reality is that Jesus rose again. And after he rose again, Jesus walked on earth for 40 days. At one time, he's, he's appeared to over hundreds of people at once. Like this isn't just biblical facts. This is historical realities. And Jesus had, had 10 encounters after his resurrection that, that are documented in the Bible. And I want to share one of them with you today. It's found in John chapter 20, uh, beginning in verse 24. And it says, it says this. It says, now Thomas, there he is, also known as Didymus, which Again, I just find humor in the Bible. Like, obviously, if my name was Didymus, I would go for Thomas too. Like, just call me Thomas, boys. Like, Didymus, come here. I, hits me weird. I think it's funny. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So Jesus, after the resurrection, appears to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there, verse 25. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Like, like we've seen, like, Thomas, you should have been there. Thomas, it was awesome. Like the rumors are true. Jesus is alive. And they're so excited. And Thomas is like, what? Like I, I, saw, I saw what happened on Friday. I saw him crucified. I saw, I saw the tomb where they buried him. Like what are, you, what are you talking about? And it only moved him further and further into his doubts. And, and I love this, this so much. Look, look at what he says in verse 26. 
Uh, oh, wait, no, back in verse 25. He says, says but, but he said to them, so he, like Thomas draws a line in the sand. He's like, he's like, he says to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. He's like, I think you boys, I think you're, I think you're joshing me. I'm not sure, I'm not sure about this. He's like, because I, I, I know what I've seen. And you're telling me about something I, I haven't seen. So I'm not sure, not sure I can go there. I love this, this next one in verse 26. It says, a week later. So Thomas draws a line that's saying, unless I see him, unless I touch him, I'm not going to believe. A week later, which just highlights for me, like, God's not on my timeline. God wasn't on Thomas's timeline. He, he shows up, but he doesn't necessarily show up when you think he would or sometimes when you think he should. A whole week goes by. A week later, the disciples were there in the house again, and Thomas was there with him. They were there, though the doors were locked. Like they're trying to keep everybody out because they're still not sure what's going to happen. They think they might be crucified next. They're, they're very scared. So they're behind locked doors. But Jesus came and stood among them. And whenever he shows up, my thought would be he'd say, like, Thomas, what did you say a week ago? Thomas, I told you, I told you before I went to the cross, I would rise again. Thomas, what's wrong with you? But he doesn't scold them. He shows up and he says, hey, peace be with you. And I think it just highlights for some of you watching this online service, in the the midst of your doubts, like Jesus shows up, he's not going to scold you. He he wants to show up and he he wants to bring you some peace. So how do we overcome our doubts and believe? I think this reality of Thomas and what he went through communicates to us a few things. Uh, the first is this. I think it highlights that we need to realize, realize that Jesus will continually search for you. No matter how much you run for him, from him, he's going to run after you. Even in your doubts, even your unbelief, he still desires relationship with you. He's still pursuing you, which highlights the next point that your doubts won't keep Jesus away. Disciples are behind locked doors. Thomas is full of doubt, but his doubts doesn't keep Jesus away and they won't keep him away from you either. There's a guy uh, by the name of C.S. Lewis. He, he's a famous author, like a brilliant mind. He wrote the books, uh, book series, movie series, maybe you've seen in the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, but C.S. Lewis, he grew up in the Church of Ireland and he was baptized in the Church of Ireland. He was confirmed there. Uh, but at the age of 15, C.S. Lewis was so, so fed up with what he saw there that he announces that I'm an atheist. And he, he's, this brilliant mind was now channeled to, to keep people out of the church. And so from 15 to the age of 29, C.S. Lewis debates people over Christianity. And he, he, he holds firm to this, this position that, that he's an atheist. But it was, when he was 29 years old, he met a buddy uh, who's also, also a writer. And they became, became good friends. They would share ideas about literature and, and philosophy. And they would just, just challenge each other, just do life together. And that, that guy's name also wrote a couple books. His, it was J.R.R. Token, who also wrote The Lord of the Rings. And, and Token was a, a firm, firm believer and so at the age of 32, two years after meeting Token, after having these conversations, after wrestling with some doubts and, and some debris from his past, uh, C.S. Lewis became a fully devoted follower of Jesus. 
Now, if you've read any of C.S. Lewis's work, you know he's a brilliant mind. Like he is a philosopher. He is, he is a writer. Like he's a, he's a smart dude. But in his autobiography where he talks about how he came to faith in Jesus, he doesn't talk about any of the fine sounding arguments that Token gave him. He, he doesn't, doesn't talk about all the, this reasoning that led him to believe that Jesus is who Jesus said he, he was. Matter of fact, the title of his work was Surprised by Joy. Surprised by Joy. And I just want to invite you to go on this journey. I'm not going to give you any kind of fine sounding arguments, but I want to just invite you to look for them. I want to invite you to look for them and to show up in the midst of your doubts because he's continually searching for you. And as you begin to take steps towards him, as you begin to, to, to not just read the Bible, but you begin to apply the Bible to your life, don't be surprised if you too are surprised by joy. That's all I wanted to say there. Just be on the lookout for him because your doubts won't keep him away. John chapter 20, verse 27 says this. Uh, then he said to Thomas, He's like, like, Thomas, I I heard what you said. You drew a line in the sand. I don't want to go there. I I, I wish it didn't have to come to this. But in order to get you to a place where you can believe again, I'm willing to go there with you. So he says, put put your fingers here. And and Thomas put his fingers where the nails were. He said, said, reach out. I love that. I love that phrase, reach out. And that's what I'm asking some of you to do today. Just reach out like Jesus has taken a step towards you. I'm just asking to reach out to him as well. Meet him there. In the midst of your doubts, reach out to him. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. And he says, stop doubting. The second thing that I think Thomas highlights and his journey highlights for us is to take a step to discover who Jesus is. In the midst of your doubts, reach out to him. In the midst of your questions, Take steps to pursue him. Belief won't come to you. You have to go to it. And I'm just inviting you to take a step towards him. Uh, One thing I love about Central, one thing you need to know about us, if you do decide to go on this journey and and make a one-year commitment to say, I'm going to go, I'm going to try this out, I'm going to take a step. I invite you to keep keep showing up on Sundays as we, we, even if you're an atheist, you're an agnostic, like, hey, come along for the journey. Like help us, help us feed some hungry people here in San Jose. Help us provide some housing for women and and, and kids that would, would not have shelter otherwise. Like just come alongside, like just join us for the journey. My invitation to you is, is a little bit reversed to what the church has been about for centuries. And that was always, hey, once you believe like us, then you behave like us, then you can belong with us. I'm just inviting you to belong here. This is a place where you can belong. This is a place where you can come with your questions and hopefully surround yourself with some people that can give you some answers, point you in the right direction. Once you know you can belong here, before you believe what we believe, before you behave like we behave, I'm just inviting you to take a step. Jesus is reaching out to you. Take a step towards him. And if you're going to move from doubt to belief, it requires that. It requires us to take a step. Like, like Thomas, reach out. So let's finish this, this story with Thomas. Uh, the next verse is where, where Thomas actually crosses that line. And he moves from doubt to belief. And I love this because it is the shortest verse of any verse that we've read today. It's because it, it is that easy. It is that easy, but it will cost you everything. Look at Thomas's response in verse 28. He says, my, my Lord and my God. 
I love that he doesn't just say, you are the Lord. I know about you. You are God and I've heard about you. He said, no, 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 you're, you're mine. I'm making you my leader. I'm making you Lord of my life. I was calling the shots. Now I'm turning to you. You're my Lord and you're, you're my God. I'm going to do things your way. It's a statement of a personal commitment of going all in. And I think it's interesting what Jesus says next in verse 29. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. You've moved from, from doubt to belief because you've seen me. But then, he, then Jesus turns and he talks to you. In Easter 2022, he talks to, to us and he says, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. The third step in moving from doubt to belief is to give your life to the one who gave his life. Easter reminds us that Jesus loves you so much that he, he laid down his life to have relationship with you. But it, just, it didn't just end on, on a cross, it didn't just end in his death. He rose again and because he's alive, when you give your life to him, he gives his life to you. The Bible says it this way, like, like it's your, your new creation. Like the old is gone, the new has come. How's that happen? What well, requires you to give your life to him and then in that moment he gives his life to you and he makes you brand new. Christianity is not just belief in something, it's belief on someone. Today I'm not asking you to place your belief in this idea or an ideology or, or this, 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 this different way of thinking. Uh, I'm inviting you to, to, to a real relationship with Jesus who, who walks with you, talks with you, wants to know you, wants to hear from you, wants you to hear from him. Belief isn't faith in something, it's, it's faith on someone. I want to close with a story from 19, or 1824, a man by the name of, of Charles Balden. He was born in, in France, and at the age of five, his parents put him into an acrobat school where he excelled in this, this acrobat art of tightrope walking. He, he excelled to the degree that at the age of 31, when his family migrated from France to New York City, as a means of making money, Charles Baldwin set up a tightrope across Niagara Falls. Like at any moment that this guy makes a mistake, if at any moment he slips, like Charles is gone. Like he's, he's going to meet the resurrected Jesus real soon. And so, so word gets out that this guy's crazy enough. He has enough belief in his own abilities to walk across this tightrope all the way across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And so History records that, that it was in uh, 1859 that there was calculated to be over 100,000 people gathered around the falls to watch this guy do what appeared to be the inconceivable. And sure enough, Charles walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope and, and he earned a bunch of money from it. And so in order to keep the spectators coming back, he always had to up the ante. He always had to do something new, something different. And so, so that summer, he came up with new acts. At one point, he, he put on stilts, like stilts, and walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope, wearing stilts. At one point, he pushed a wheelbarrow across the falls on a tightrope. At one point, he sat down halfway through in the middle of the falls on a tightrope, 
and ate an omelet. Like, like he keeps up in the ante, up in the ante in order to, to draw a crowd and, and people are just eating it up. And so, so he keeps having to get better and better, better acts. And so he declared, he made an announcement, hey, this next one is sure to be my most difficult act ever. This is, this is, this is hard for me, even for, for me to fathom, but I'm, I'm going to do it. And so sure enough, the crowds came out once again. They didn't know what the act was going to be. They just knew it was going to be his, his, the apex of his career, of his tightrope act. And so he announces what the act would be with a question. He says, how many of you think I can walk across this tightrope? Yeah, they cheer. How many of you think, think I can walk across it blindfolded? You've done that. We know you can. How many of you think I can do it on stilts? Yeah, we know you can. Well, here's the new act. How many of you think I can do it with somebody on my back? They're like, yeah, that's awesome. Charles, you can do it. Charles, we want to see it. He's like, all right, I need a volunteer. And like all the hands go away very sheepishly. And the crowd had belief in Charles, but no one was willing to place their belief on Charles. They had faith that Charles could do it. They just weren't willing to place their life on that faith. Well, today, Easter 2022, I'm inviting you not just to place intellectual belief in Jesus. I'm inviting you to lay your life on Jesus. Allow Jesus to carry you across this chasm, that, that, this gap between you and God, to release you onto this vibrant spiritual journey of being able to know God, to grow in freedom, to show your purpose, to live a life of transcendence that makes a difference in this world. That only takes place by placing your life, your faith, not in something, but putting your faith on someone. And that's Jesus. So I want to close out this service a little differently than we typically do. I want to close by giving you a, a spiritual survey. I would love for you to pull out your phone uh, right now and you can uh, pull this up on the screen and, and text us. So put, put the, punch this number into your phone, 408-944-5402. 408-944-5402. Before you send anything, uh, let me just walk you through what this spiritual survey is. I'm going to give you four options and I want you to just, just text us which letter you are. Okay. Now, whether you, whether you choose to participate in this survey or not, I'm just telling you, you are one of these. You say, don't box me in. I'm just saying like, it's kind of true for all of us. All of us fall in one of these four buckets. And the first is this text a, if you're already a believer, like if you already have a real relationship with Jesus, like you've, you've placed your life on him. He's carried you across the chasm. Now, you know, God, you're on this journey of following Jesus. You're on this, this journey of showing your purpose and growing in freedom and, and living a life that makes a difference. You're already there. Text a, uh, text B. If today you want to begin that, if today you say, no, I'm, I'm not placing my, my faith in something. I'm placing my belief on Jesus. Today, I'm beginning that journey. I, I'm believing on Jesus today. Text B. Text C, the third option, if you're still considering it. You say, man, that's, this is great. Like, I, I feel like I got some stuff out of this, but I still need some more time. I still have a lot of doubts. I'm not quite there. I'd like to consider it a bit more. Let me just say this. I always envisioned being able to pastor a church that had some C's in it. Uh, some people who haven't quite figured it out. And so, so if that's where you are, man, 
Keep showing up. Keep coming. Take, take the one-year challenge and watch how God does the work in your life. But, but text C if that's where you're at. And then finally, the fourth one is D. And, and this is kind of a scary one, to be honest. But if this is where you are, I just dare you to text us. Uh, text D if you don't ever intend on making that decision. If you say, hey, I don't ever intend to follow Jesus, just, just have the courage to text us that. And here's what, here's what I'm, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to hound you. I'm not going to follow up with you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to respond. I'm not like, I'll give you your space. Like I've tried to say my piece today and you've, you've given me 30 minutes of your time. I can't ask for much more than that. Uh, what I do know about you, if you are a D, you don't ever intend to. It lets me know that you do love some people really well. You care about them. That's why you're in this online service because they shared the link or they invite you to sit in the living room and watch it with them. And so I, I think that's to be commended. Thanks for doing that. But if you don't ever intend to, man, it'd be my joy to pray for you. So, so have the courage to text us that because your doubts won't keep Jesus away. And, and my, I might not be able to close the gap, but Jesus can. And so if you don't ever intend to, just have the courage. Text us that. We'll pray for you and, and just believe that God's going to do a work. So maybe next Easter you say, hey, I was a D, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm a B this year. So, so have the courage to do that. That'd be, be awesome. So text 408-944-5402. We're going to give you just a moment. Texts are coming in now. Uh, thanks for texting us. And I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, maybe just a couple more seconds, give you an opportunity to text. So A, I'm already a believer. I'm already on the journey. B, I'm becoming that today. C, I'm still considering it. D, I don't ever plan to. 408 944 let me pray for you as we close out this Easter service. Well, God, I thank you for Easter. I thank you for what it represents. I thank you, Jesus, that you're still bringing dead things back to life. You're still bringing dreams back to life. You're still bringing dead hopes back to life, dead relationships you can restore. God, I thank you for that. I thank you, God, that all the dead places in us, God, you bring back to life. Not only that, but God, we thank you because resurrection isn't just something we can experience today, but God, we're excited that we can experience resurrection one day when this body wears out, that that won't be the end of our story, but God will be more alive than ever before. Thank you, God, for how you're working in your church today. Now, as you continue to pray, if you, if you mark that or text us B, uh, I just want to give you an opportunity to connect with your creator. The Bible says that you can begin that relationship by believing in your heart that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and you believe that he rose again. You make that confession with your mouth, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so I'd be, it'd be my joy this Easter just to walk you through that and to pray that prayer with you. So if that's you, you say a prayer something like this. You say, Jesus, I know I've made some mistakes. I realize my sin has separated me from you, but God, I believe you just died on the cross and paid the penalty for my sins. I believe you just rose from the dead. And because he's alive, I believe I can experience new life in you. Now you say this to him. You say, say, because you gave your life for me, today I'm giving my life to you. Be the Lord, be the leader of my life and the forgiver of my life today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, if you're starting that, that spiritual journey, we're celebrating here with you. Uh, we would love to be able to connect with you. So make sure you text uh, those letters, A, B, C, or D. Let us know where you are in your spiritual journey. We're praying for you. We're celebrating with you. Happy Resurrection Sunday.